What's up, y'all? It's Drewski, and I've teamed up with Mountain Dew to produce a hilarious new basketball podcast called The Dew Zone with Drewski. Learn the backstories of your favorite ballers and celebrities like Jamal Murray. Did you have, like, a favorite team? Was it the Raptors at the time or no? Was the Raptors even started around that time? Come on, bro. I ain't that old, fam. <laughs> You're talking like I'm 50. Taylor Rooks, Asia Wilson, and many more. You won't want to miss this. Listen to The Do Zone with Drewski on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and wherever you listen to podcasts. In 2003, Nike signed 13-year-old Freddie Adu to a seven-figure contract. But Freddie didn't live up to the hype. He has turned down every single documentary project looking closely at the details of his career. Until now. People are going to look at everything you did because of the hype surrounding your arrival and what they think you can be. I'm Grant Wall, and this is American Prodigy, Freddie Adu, from Blue Wire Podcasts. Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of Hardwood Knox. This is Adam Frommel here with my fantastic co-host, Dan Favalli. And we are now in the heart of the abbreviated NBA offseason, which I, I'm still like trying to wrap my, my head around how quickly everything is going to happen. We're recording this on a Monday. The draft is Wednesday. Then there's only a month until the season is actually set to start. And we're already seeing a lot of big news coming out. Uh, we had Mario Hazonia op in we had tony snell opt into his player option and, and and even even bigger news as hard as it is to believe chris paul was traded to the phoenix suns we're going to talk about that we're going to talk about the houston rockets attempt to trade both of their star guards at this point but before we do any of that a shout out to our sponsors as always indeed and betonline.ag you'll be hearing from both of them shortly we want to encourage everyone to subscribe to the podcast to rate and review it wherever you are listening and you know, in lieu of asking Dan how he's doing, which I, I typically do after these intros, I want to uh, to focus on what he told me before we started recording, which is that he's not a big pasta or bread guy. And I just I'm still struggling to wrap my head around that. And I just I need more explanation, Dan. I don't know what it is about. Like, I don't dislike it, but it's never been like something I've been in love with. The carbs that I've always loved is like is pizza, basically, which is still bread. But like, I've never been like, oh, I need to eat bread. I love, I need to eat mashed potatoes or any, like fries or anything like that. I don't know what it is. And I think that's probably why doing carbs only like for eight hours a week, like I have my cheat night every Sunday night, as you know, um, I used to send you pictures of them, I think. But anyway, like, I guess that's why it's easy for me is because I was never like gravitated towards those food to begin with. Like I was never a big mac and cheese guy, um, but I did eat pasta before we recorded this, the night before we recorded this, I told you I had some penne al vodka with chicken and some pesto and penne with chicken. It was it wasn't bad, but again, like it was just for not having had it in almost two years. I was like, eh. I'm just I'm just baffled by this. You like, like gave someone, me the Quinn Schneider death stare the yeah, entire time. Someone I was who grew up in a family that like had pasta all the time, and like a 36 hour pasta drought is like substantial in our house now. It, it just I'm I'm struggling here. I just I can't believe that, and I, I'm wondering how many subscribers you're costing us right now. <laughs> the numbers are plunging uh, because I don't eat enough carbs or, or don't like bread and pasta. How are you doing? We want, we want everyone, we want everyone to tweet at Dan with their favorite pasta dishes. That is my call to action for this podcast. Forget about our Chris Paul takes and our, our draft takes and our Mario Hazonia takes. Just tweet pasta recipes at Dan. He will at Dan Favalli, F A V A L E. He will not be using them, so you'll be yelling into the great void. Adam will be satisfied, though. The Chris Paul trade, though, like, or should we just talk about Mario Hazonia? 
it's really up to you. All right, we'll say Chris Paul. It's like we've had the podcast. We've already had multiple Rockets podcasts, and we'll get to the James Harden trade rumors after this. And we actually already had a Chris Paul podcast, but the trade actually goes down. And the final return, to recap, was Phoenix is trading the Thunder, um, a top 12 protected first-round pick in 2022, plus uh, the big name in this trade, Jalen Luck, Ty Jerome, Kelly Oubre Jr. and Ricky Rubio getting back Chris Paul and Abdel Nader. I my hot take on this trade is that I don't have a hot take. I like it for both sides. Like this feels like a risk that Phoenix needed to take, and insofar as it is even a risk. Like yes, there's a chance maybe Paul won't be as healthy as he was this past season, but there's just two years left on his deal. And even if you view it as like, should we get peak Paul or a great version of Chris Paul? This is still only a two year move. I feel like the opportunity cost was justifiable because Ricky Rubio is under contract for that same length of time. Kelly Oubre Jr. was good, but I feel like as a play finisher, he's kind of expendable on this team, and he was going to be a free agent in 2021. Uh, if you were really high on Ty Jerome, I, I get it, but like he wasn't really factoring into the backup guard rotation last year when you desperately needed that. And then finally, I think the asset here, if you're OKC, you're looking at is the 2022 pick, and I saw that there's increasing pessimism that uh, people don't think that's going to be the combined draft for high school seniors and college freshmen. And so from the, the Suns perspective, you have to like that. And if you're the Thunder, you get another first round pick. And now you have, I think, 16, um, possibly 17 over the next six drafts. And you're getting players who can actually play. Now that you've traded Dennis Schroeder to the Lakers, and we could probably talk about that briefly if you wanted to, uh, you have Ricky Rubio coming in and Paul's gone as well. So you technically need another playmaker. But you also have these two guys in Ubre and Rubio who I think you can get something for. Uh, I don't know what it is. Maybe it's more attractive if you're taking back a less savory deal. Like, I don't know if Kelly Ubre Jr.'s expiring contract gets you a first on its own. Uh, maybe if you're taking back a multi-year deal. But now you have those options. And so you keep turning um, these big-name players into more bites at the apple. And for a team that's preparing to rebuild, I think that's incredibly important. And look, now they're even more armed if they want to go in on you know, pivot. You know, if they want to get involved in a James Harden sweepstakes, like they can, if they want to. I, I agree with pretty much everything you said there. Like my, my hot take was also that it's a good move for both sides. And I, that, that isn't always the case with these blockbuster NBA transactions that we see. I mean, from the Thunder's perspective, like Sam Presti managed to take on assets to get Chris Paul and then move him for actual assets without giving up anything else of value so that's definitely a win for them you know they're they're continuing to build this stockpile of roughly 7,000 first round picks in the next decade and eventually they're going to have to package those into something but it gives them so much flexibility moving forward because they have multiple picks in every single draft for the foreseeable future so when a star comes available you can meet whatever timeline is being asked there's value in that they're still going to be competitive I mean I I I feel like it's it's hard to believe that a team that was supposed to be rebuilding and exceeded expectations on the strength of a second team all NBA season from Chris Paul can move Chris Paul and still be a playoff contender in the Western Conference. But like their core is now Ricky Rubio, Shea Gilgis Alexander, Kelly Weebray Jr., and Steven Adams. I mean, they could move Adams uh, and and continue to offload these veteran pieces. They could try to bring Danilo Gallinari back on a one year deal and and remain competitive. There are so many options no matter what direction the Thunder want to go in. And that's a huge win for them in and of itself. With Phoenix, you know, we, you and I had talked about how 
this was one of our ideal landing spots for Chris Paul from the start, as soon as we knew that he was going to be dealt at some point this offseason, that he's just such a tremendous fit next to Devin Booker. And the fact that they could get him without giving up Mikhail Bridges or Cam Johnson, that's a huge win for them. Or number 10. I think that's big too. Or number 10. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Um, But yeah, I mean, it's a perfect fit. It's a veteran leader for a franchise that is young and looking to end this interminable playoff drought. And as competitive as the Western Conference is set to be this coming season, it's hard not to have them in one of those eight spots now. Right. And uh, look, and I think the biggest thing this does is Chris Paul is a great compliment to Devin Booker, maybe to allow Booker to play off the ball a little bit more. I don't know that he necessarily needs to. Like, I think he's shown he can shoulder this high volume role efficiently. And I mentioned this when I recorded the Suns Look Ahead podcast with Mike Vigil was that the passes he's making, like they're not showy or super complicated like Ben Simmons or James Harden, but they're creating shots that wouldn't otherwise be there for his teammates. Like even if you look at him backing down smaller guards or wings in the post and teams collapse on him so heavily now that he can throw just these simple kickouts, those shots wouldn't be there if you don't have his on-ball gravity, I'll call it. Uh, But what this does also is the Suns offense was in the seventh percentile when Devin Booker was off the court next uh last season so you that's go bad, if you're wondering <laughs> that's actually terrible uh it's the seventh percentile 102.7 points uh per 100 possessions now with rubio on the court when booker was off it was actually worse it was in the third percentile um 99.4 you're now giving those minutes to chris paul like think about that like that is absolutely bl- mind-blowing and what this also does is is it gives you someone else who there, there should be more pick and roll synergy synergy i think between Aiton and Chris Paul, just because Chris Paul is an actual threat to pull up and just score in general, really, where Rubio is not that aggressive. And so that's going to open up different things for Aiton. But looking specifically at the Suns offseason now, the way that this trade was structured, I think it's pretty clear that they're planning on also trying to use cap space. And so they can have between, I'll have them at 16 million and almost 19 million, depending on what they do with, they have Elio Kubo's non-guaranteed deal. Javon Carter's a free agent and Cameron Payne as a team option. I thought Carter, Okobo, and Payne, those were, those guys were all locks to you keep their holds. They're so small. And I think Carter, you still keep because his hold is under $2 million and he's like perfect as someone, he's a guard who needs to play off the ball anyway and defends his ass off, shoots threes well. Um, I don't know what- more run in general. That's, that's my Javon Carter take. Right, and I don't know what you do with, um, you know, Okobo and Payne just because I would pick up Payne's team option based off how he played, but like you can save a million dollars by replacing it with a minimum. But anyway, so they're going to have, you also have to renounce Baines, Kaminsky's team option, and then Sarich as part of this deal. Or you can re-sign um, Baines and Sarich and like still complete this deal, but it seems like they're going to use cap space based on how it was structured. Um, and I would almost, I don't want to guess, but it feels like they might be willing to decline Payne's team option as well, in addition to Kamitsky's and, and renouncing other people, since he wasn't one of the salaries included in this trade, um, so that they're trying to keep themselves as flexible as possible. And I don't know what names get thrown in here. People have mentioned Gallinari. Uh, Jeremy Grant seems far-fetched because the Nuggets need to keep him, in my opinion, and can pay him more than anyone. But there are other names that can fit here. Now, all of a sudden, it's not just, oh, we're a team on the come-up. You have Chris Paul to sell perspective players on now uh, and maybe you're even at a in a conversation for ring chasing veterans what if the Paul Millsap decides that like he's going to come for the room exception or something and so now they have those avenues available where it's you can use cap space you'll have the room exception too and then you go and you complete this trade for Chris Paul I don't know if any names if you looked at free agent targets for the the, the uh, Suns or but like you mentioned penciling them in to one of the eight spots in the west and 
from the way it looks like this deal is going to unfold, I feel like you have to because they're not done is how this feels. My, my initial reaction when looking at the free agency class and who I would like to see end up there, the number one name that comes to mind is Paul Millsap. I, just, I feel like he would just be a great fit in this front court, another veteran presence, another really smart player on both ends of the floor, a guy who doesn't really need to touch the ball that frequently, as we saw with the Denver Nuggets. He would be a great fit next to Aiton. He'd be a great fit with the backcourt. I would really like to see that happen. Um, if possible, I would like to see them try to swing some sort of, of move for Rudy Gay. I think he's another really intriguing fit with this team. But I think that's like the level of signing that we're looking at here. Like if if Gallinari is willing to take a discount and come play there, great. I think that's slightly far-fetched given the financial situation. Uh, but yeah, I think Millsap is, is number one on my my list here. Yeah, I'm just I'm curious what free agents they enter the fold for. Uh, it's they could have the money I think to go after Gallo, but I don't know that you necessarily need him when you have Chris Paul and Devin Booker. Like if you want another shot, I guess you still need that set. You want like a third shot creator. Um, but there there are so many options available. And they might just go low end too. Like you could bring back Sarich and then go chase Alec Burks and Paul Millsap. Like there are a bunch of stuff that they could do now. 2020 has already reshaped how we work and it's almost over. Businesses across the globe are challenged to be their most efficient, which means every hire is critical. Well, Indeed is here to help. Unlike other sites, Indeed gives you full control and payment flexibility over your hiring. You only pay for what you need, you can pause your account at any time, and there are no long-term contracts. And now, Indeed's new way of, of matching you with candidates instantly delivers a short list of quality candidates whose resumes on Indeed match your job criteria that you can contact the moment you sponsor a job, making Indeed the only job site that can move as fast as you do. Right now, Indeed is offering our listeners a free $75 credit to boost your job post, which means more quality candidates will see it, and fast. Try Indeed out with a free $75 credit at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. This is their best offer available anywhere. Go right now to Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Offer is valid through December 31st. Terms and conditions apply. Before moving on from this deal specifically, for the Thunder, what's the over-under on the number of first-round picks they've yet to acquire? I'm just looking at Rubio. <laughs> I'm looking at Oubre. Like it, it feels like they're also going to be among the teams that aren't done. And look, they have... They might be able to sign and trade Gallo, depending on what teams are interested in him. And it feels like they're go. I'll set it at one point five. Are you going to take? Yeah, o- I'm going to take the under, just because okay. I think that the franchise has shown that it can rebuild while remaining competitive, and just by by taking Rubio back along with with Ubre, I, I think it's another indication that they don't want to just bottom out. And if you're moving Stephen Adams, you're trying to bottom out just because you don't have another option to fill that role. So I think that, that they know that they can attempt to compete for that eighth spot in the West, whether successful or not, you know, just getting to, to play in the, in the postseason would be a, a benefit, but not necessarily a disaster if it doesn't happen, while still having so much asset juice to make a move whenever an opportunity is created. So I don't think they need to make any subsequent blockbuster moves or blow it up moves because this roster is uniquely positioned in a way that it can remain competitive while also doing a fantastic job from the rebuilding front um and looking at the the western commerce playoff picture like in the aftermath of this since we're penciling the suns in let me go through the teams that we think are going to be guaranteed to go in so we have the lakers the clippers the nuggets 
the the jazz we, the jazz do we throw the warriors in there yeah, i think you have to i would do with, it. with steph clay and draymond so now things get interesting because of the the shit show in houston they're there oklahoma city portland dallas Can we safely rule is houston going to be the worst team in the western conference i don't like if they do end up moving harden the, yeah, there's. I, that's just the natural segue here. So the James Harden wants out. Like that was reported by Sham Sharania. Now, like it's been inching towards that. Where it was, what was the phrasing? Tim McMahon and and Woj used, and the the plausible eventual possibility is now a reality. He wants out. Uh, as Sham's uh, also reported, it's Houston's willing to keep both him and Westbrook, which I actually think is smart. I don't know how realistic it is. You know, I've been on team run it back from the start. Well, I, look, here's the way I, I'm with you. And this is, I know it's hard to exist like this in a vacuum if your stars are actually that unhappy, but James Harden has three years left on his contract. And then if you want to blow it up, I would make the case that next summer is the better time to do it because Harden's value isn't going to dip. He'll still have two years before he can hit free agency left on his deal. And you have the benefit of Russell Westbrook being closer to free agency where maybe it's like, okay, two years and $91 million looks a lot better than three years and 132.6. Uh, so I would, I would run it back. Do you expect them to like, I won't even say start because we're so close. And by the way, the best way I've seen this phrase, someone pointed out the NBA's there's usually three months between the draft and the opening of training camps. And this year there's going to be 11 days. Like that is absolutely mind blowing to me. Anyway, do you think James Harden finishes the season in Houston? Before we get to the nitty-gritty granular I don't think thing. he starts the season in Houston. Really? Look, there's, That's there's, so... a, there's a point of no return with these things. Like When it's clear that both sides want to make changes, it's so hard to squeeze those players back into the locker room. Like we're, We've reached the point now, and you know I, I have no reason to doubt the validity of the reporting here, especially as it's gotten more definitive, where we don't just know that Harden might maybe kind of want to at least think about potentially possibly having a trade away from Houston, maybe, to like, he wants to go to Brooklyn or Philadelphia. Right. And I, I just, I don't know how you come back from that. Yeah, the, I, I would I would argue they've reached the point of no return, but there's a lot of stuff needs to come together for this to happen by well, December 22nd. It, and, and part of it is Houston has to know that if you're trading James Harden, you aren't getting fair value back. There's there's no one that is going to be willing to trade equivalent value for a top five player in the NBA still in the heart of his prime. An offensive system unto himself. Like you're just are you gonna ask for eight first round picks and a and a young superstar? Like it's not it's not gonna happen. So like if if they're making this move. It's because they've accepted that they have to move him, which I think opens the door for lesser returns and, and more realistic chances of him being moved expeditiously. And I also, I that's a good point. I would say, regardless of what happens, Rockets fans should probably brace themselves. And look, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to criticize Tillman Fertitta until forever because he's just a terrible NBA team governor. I don't know why they let him buy into the league, it seems like. However, I would, if I'm fans... Even if you had Daryl Morey as your GM navigating this, I'd be prepared to get back less than you would expect. Just because James Harden is a top five NBA player. I'm not arguing that. He is he gives you a line to the postseason on his own. He's one of those few players that does that. He's 31. And so you're talking about his age 32, 33, and 34 seasons. Those well, are still- he's, he's also 31 with a with a game that's going to age well. I think it's important we say. Okay. So 
I'm going to push back a little bit on that. There has been a shift in Houston where an, if you watch footage from, from Harden, by the way, of like 2013, so explosive, just completely different player. So no, his game isn't prided on athleticism, but he has missed like barely any games since he's been in Houston during the regular season. When you look at some of these usage rates, 40.5 in 2018-19, 36.3 last year, 36.1 the year before. He has some really high usage seasons under his belt. I think the next three years of James Harden are spectacular seasons, but you can't give up what... I don't think you could give up... I mean, I, unless you're getting another star as part of it, like when you look at what the Clippers gave up for Paul George, they traded for Paul George and Kawhi Leonard. The best way I've heard it phrased is that the Thunder found a way to trade Kawhi without ever having him on their roster. And Sam Presti, everyone. So I don't think that's a, even if you view Harden as the finishing piece, it's a different situation here. And yes, Leonard and Paul George are theoretically, they could leave LA sooner, but you have a longer part of their primes left. I'm not saying James Harden isn't going to net a haul. I think he will. But like, if you're expecting the Rockets to get like seven first round, like it's, I I think they're going to get less for James Harden than the Thunder got for Paul George would be my prediction. I think that's totally fair. I think we're looking at something like Karis LeVert, Jared Allen, Maybe Spencer Dinwiddie too, and a pair of first-round picks is going to be an initial kind of offer. Yeah, let's look. Let's talk about the two teams you mentioned. Uh, Brooklyn, they have a very attractive trade package if you're not looking to rebuild. Um, the issues, I think you would go Lavert, Dinwiddie, Allen as the base, and then you're throwing in distant future picks. Uh, maybe beginning, you could throw in number 19 after the draft, but you know. 2023 and 2025, putting that in play, maybe betting against the Nets' future, throw swaps in there. Uh, you can, and then what are the protections on you know the distant picks? That stuff all matters. I don't think that ends up being the destination. Like unless teams are really intimidated by what Harden could do with three years left on his deal, because Dinwiddie's going to be a free agent after next season. Jared Allen's going to command more money. Lavert is on a great contract. He's also 26, so you're not getting like that high upside there. Unless you're able to suss out a third and fourth team to where they really value Dinwiddie and and Lavert and these pieces to send back higher end assets toward uh houston i don't know that this deal get done gets done however do you think the rockets are going to want to rebuild as part of a james harden trade is there a scenario in which james harden is gone leading into this season but russell westbrook is still there probably i think that's more likely than then the vice nets, versa at this point then if you're resigned to that then the nets package i think gets a little bit more attractive because Agreed. there's that push to win now then yeah, and and ultimately, I think that's what will end up happening. Now, that's that's my initial speculation as to what the actual outcome is going to be, is that he's going to be in Brooklyn and it's going to be a disaster. <laughs> you think he's going to end up in Brooklyn? I find that interesting. Uh, yeah, it seems clear that like he and Kevin Durant have been talking about that possibility, and we know what's happened the last time Kevin Durant was talking about a free agency possibility. Um, they ha- They seem to have the most realistic and attainable package i mean you know we could we could talk about like mitchell robinson rj barrett and picks for the new york knicks but harden's not going to want to go there like he clearly wants to be on a competitive team right away philadelphia if they're even willing if houston is even willing to trade with it um given daryl morey's departure and subsequent hiring by the 76ers now they're not going to give you ben simmons or joel Embiid for him you don't, you don't think they would give up Ben Simmons for James Harden? I don't think so. I think that's the swap that's staring everyone in the face. I think that if you're Houston, you're probably having to do something else as part of that deal just because right. Simmons is exponentially younger. He's not better than Harden. I want to make that clear. But you would probably have to take back Horford. Uh, it, may be, it would be Horford and Simmons, let's say, for Harden and Rocco. 
just given the potential animosity between the two franchises and Tillman Fertitta's disdain for having to spend money, I can't see him wanting to take on that kind of contract because it just, it automatically limits what he can do for the next few years. Yeah. Like I just, I I keep coming back to Brooklyn. That is the problem is because with Simmons, he's like so cheap relative to Harden. who's at like basically 40 million that you need to include more money in there. Like Simmons for Harden does not, I'll double check it, but I'm just, Math my head, it does not work straight up. So, are and if you're the Sixers, it's like, okay, Harden's better now, and and I know you're very win now, but Ben Simmons is what is he, 22, 23? Like, so it's tough. Uh, yeah, so you can't do that by itself. Like, and are, do you even want to give up is Josh Richardson and Ben Simmons? Like, feels like too much for Harden on the Sixers part. And if you're getting Ben Simmons and you're keeping Russell Westbrook, not the best fit in Houston. If you're tearing everything down, I think you absolutely want to rebuild around Ben Simmons like that. I wouldn't in a heartbeat. Yeah. That would be the smartest play here. The wait is finally over. Football is back. You might not be at a game this year, but you can still be in on the action at Bet Online. Bet Online is going the extra mile to make sure you can get in on every possible chance to win this season. From game spreads and totals to team, player, and coaching props, Bet Online gives you more options to wager on than anywhere else. You can get in on their season opening bonuses today and start off wagering on wins division odds, and championship futures all day, every day. Head to Bet Online today and take advantage of all the great sign-up bonuses. Don't forget to use promo code BLUEWIRE, all one word, at betonline.ag. That's BLUEWIRE, all one word. Bet Online, your online sportsbook experts. I am wondering if there are any other teams that you could see getting involved. Not surprisingly, I can throw out some trade packages at you if you would like to hear them. What? No way. No, it's 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 tricky to, to come up with these, and I, I am curious to see what you have because it feels like despite him being an obvious top five player, that the market is still at least somewhat limited because by moving for him, you're blowing everything up and completely altering your system on a moment's notice. So, like, that just automatically limits it. Plus, his style of play isn't necessarily conducive to some incumbent talents. You know, like, the Atlanta Hawks aren't going to offer, like, John Collins number six and future picks for him because there's no way you would want him next to Trey Young. So I think you, you see a lot of situations like that coupled with Harden's probable desire to go to a competitive team. It's not like he's going to want to go to the Charlotte Hornets. It's not like he's going to want to go play with De'Aaron Fox in Sacramento. No, it's just, it's, it's, I'm, I, like I said, I'm curious to see what you came up with because I've had trouble generating possibilities beyond the names that have already been floated. So I want to make this clear. I don't necessarily think that these are good fits, but these would be deals that could be looked at. Um, I'm going to, I skipped over Atlanta, Boston. You could do Jalen Brown and Kemba Walker for James Harden and Robert Covington. I don't know what other value probably has to go to Houston in that deal. They have three first round picks this year. They have all their future picks, but that would be the salary framework. You have Grant Williams and Romeo Langford as well. If Houston wanted to stay competitive, but you're still getting someone who's kind of young and Brown, uh, Kemba and Russ are not obviously a gr- I mean, I Walker could play off Russ if he needs to. That's not something you want to roll with long-term. I don't know how you feel about Tatum and Harden playing together, but like, if I don't it- know how Brad Stevens would feel about that. <laughs> that's, that's where my mind went first. It's like, I, I could just imagine him yanking all of his hair out as he drives as he right. tries to draw up ATOs. But that would be that would be the framework of a package, and that would be like you're getting Kemba, who's a present star, and then you're getting Jalen Brown, who's like that 
Shea Gilgis Alexander type of asset that the Clippers got, where it's a fringe all, uh, that the Thunder got from the Clippers. He's better than Shea, I, I would say, right now, but like fringe all star type. I don't know if I would, if I was Houston, I'd probably be more apt to consider that than if I was Boston. I agree with that. A it's team- a reasonable, it's a reasonable deal, but it comes back to my thing about how I just there are so many franchises that I'm going to rule out because of either fit or Harden's desire to play for a certain team. And this would fall into the former category. Chicago could be a team where I feel like they're not competitive. Not that they're not competitive. They could be a fringe playoff team the way that they're built, but they could go all in on a Harden because they can build out the entire team around him still. And they know they have three years to do it. Uh, you, you start with, I think the two most important assets. I can already say, I really like this one. Or the three most important assets are pick number four, Kobe White, and then next year's pick unprotected as well, because maybe James, maybe they're not as good the first year. And then I don't know how you flesh it out from there. Is Zach Levine a must include? You have Wendell Carter Jr. You have Larry Marketing. Because I would think if Houston goes towards this package, they probably prefer to rebuild. And I don't think Zach Levine is, look, his salary's palatable. He's, he's a good player. But if you're not, and if you're keeping Westbrook, he would make sense. And if you could get him out of Chicago, I think you'd do that. But you could also go the... You know, we'll take Larry Market and Wendell Carter Jr. Will you give us another first or something? Like that's the I'm not saying they get all six of those things, uh, but they do have other money. They can they have Otto Porter Jr.'s deal as like a placeholder. Like that's twenty eight million right there and it comes off the books. So if you, you want, have to keep him if you're acquiring Harden. You think Levine, you have to keep him? That's I think you have to keep him and, and Otto Porter. Oh, those two? Well then Yeah. I think I th- the the package that you suggested Houston comes back and asks for both Wendell Carter Jr. and Laurie Markkinen and then settles for one of the two. So, But you, you have to sell Harden on not necessarily being a championship contender right now, but having the cap space, the market, and the desire with a new front office to build around him, which could be doable. Like I said at the beginning, like this is one that I can, I can get behind. Um, because if, if your core is him, Levine, and Otto Porter Jr., that's a, a, a good start on a rebuilding team. I'd agree. It gets tough if you're not going to include Otto Porter Jr. or Zach Levine to start matching money because White, the number four pick after it turns into a salary, and Wendell Carter Jr. give you 18. And so if you add, uh, let's say, Thaddeus Young's the next most expensive player after that, that's going to bring you to 31. So you're still another player short. You could, I mean, you have Cristiano Felicio's expiring deal. You have Thomas Sadoransky. But now you're getting into like five for one situations. So that's why I think Porter might be, or Levine would be appealing because they kind of soak up two players, two to three players worth of salary on their own. If I'm Houston is what I'm pointing out. And if I'm Houston, look, if I am trading Harden, maybe the return isn't what fans are expecting. I'm not making concessions as part of this deal either. It's like, you know what? If you don't want the partial guarantee on, on Thaddeus Young in year three, then I'm not making that deal. But I, I think they're a team where it's like, they're clearly not on Harden's list. They're not ready to win. I could see them doing something like this, but I also agree with you. I would lean towards you want to keep Zach Levine as part of that because then you sell him Harden. You're still the guy. It's a two-star base with someone in Zach Levine who's easier to fit around you, and then you flush out the team from there with what? Because you're trading all these picks and prospects, I don't necessarily know, but it would certainly make uh, Chicago interesting. Then you just absorb Al Horford's contract and take on bad money, and you know then you go from there. What if, so the Warriors, what if they do the Andrew Wiggins number two, the Minnesota pick, let's say two swaps and then three future first round picks unprotected? 
Like, and that might even be too much. But I'm saying, what if they went to Andrew Wiggins, number two, the Minnesota pick next year, and then flesh it out with as many picks as you need from there? Would you like that for either side? I'm genuinely asking. I think so. Really? Yeah, yeah. I, I, I think it's especially appealing from Houston's side, just because you can recreate the franchise in whatever way you want. Um, you can be the latest team to take a shot on Andrew Wiggins and, uh, and, and hope that maybe you get something out of him. And you have so much asset juice down the road from an organization that is leaving no doubt that it is taking advantage of an extremely limited title window with no hope in the future. <laughs> Cause like if, if golden state is doing that and you ask for those picks to be unprotected, or as lightly protected as possible, knowing that three years down the road, when the Curry, Clay Thompson, Draymond Green, James Harden core has aged out, that those are going to be very valuable picks. Golden State would also just become like the most hated team in the history of basketball. Can you imagine the reactions if they went from, you know, having this big team that added Kevin Durant to losing him and then trading Andrew Wiggins and the pick that they lucked into because of the injuries right. during their one down year for James Harden. That would be wild. And so since you're actually interested, like the, the, the Harden Curry fit is kind of appealing too. It would be a defensive disaster, but it would also be so offensively potent that it might not matter because both of those guys are Harden doesn't really like to play off the ball. He kind of stands still. Curry is a master off the ball. And I could, given the back seat that he willingly took to Kevin Durant, I could see him altering how he played again to maximize his game around Harden. I don't, I, I don't doubt for a second Stephen Curry could do it. I'm not sure if I want to see it because I really want to see Stephen Curry more at least for an entire season. Right. You also need to pick up like probably two, like you're because you don't want to play Green at center. Like you need to pick up some strong defensive centers and then another strong defensive wing because you have Draymond Green and Clay Thompson to flesh out. Like that's your four man combination, but you need. Who's your center going to be? Um, even in smaller ball lineups, like you're going to need another like power wing there to really help you. Since you're so interested in this package, then I didn't think you were going to be because I I don't think I was. What does it specifically have to look like then? Because it's Wiggins, it's number two as an actual salary. It's that Minnesota pick, and so I think if you're Houston, just based on your own pick commitments elsewhere, you want a swap with Golden State in 2022. Um, although, do they not own their own? first round pick in 2022 that was the other thing i couldn't confirm no they have they have it so you swap with golden state in 2022 unprotected in 2023 uh they and then i think you go with like 2025 as loosely protected as possible that seems like the move where it's a swap and two firsts on top of the two picks but i think the problem is do they need more because they're also taking on andrew wiggins as part of this package does houston need more yeah, you're looking at four first-round picks plus a swap. No, because I think I think because Houston is very clearly committing to the long game in that situation, that it's more palatable to have Andrew Wiggins's contract, which isn't like some interminable deal. It does eventually expire. And I think you probably need. I think you would. My guess would have to be you'd also have to give them a 2023 swap as well because they do have their 2023 pick. So I think it would have to be two swaps, two picks on top of number and look, two. And if in the Golden State pick. is, if Golden State thinks it can win. With the the Harden Curry Green Thompson uh, quartet, it doesn't care about those those future pick swaps and 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 outgoing draft picks because it's trying to capitalize on the window that's open right exactly now. 
another team I that I wouldn't want to be in Golden State when that window closed. Then just have what it would take to get Harden on top of like what are you you're paying some of these stars into their mid to late thirties. I would I would be here for it, but I would lean towards if we got to pick like from a basketball entertainment perspective. There's like a part of me that's morbidly curious about James Harden in Golden State, but like I'm I'm good with like I'd It'd rather be fun go to see. It. But I yeah, I mean like in terms of what I enjoy watching the most, like. I, I know it's like the un, unpopular opinion at this point. I like watching James Harden like as a one man show. He's so ridiculously talented and good in a unique way that like I, I kind of like if I had my druthers, like maybe he did end up in some place like Charlotte where he's just the unquestioned superstar again and he can try to average 40 points per game. Do, like, do you know what would be awesome to see him? They just don't. They talk about how they have the assets to acquire the next disgruntled star and it's clear that they don't. But New York, like that is a blank right. slate. Like that would I be agree. the situation to see him in. The Mitchell Robinson, RJ Barrett, and future picks package. Which is not going to win that bidding. Uh, just a couple more teams here. This one is, I p- proposed it to you last night. If Paul George is willing to stay, you reunite him with Russell Westbrook, and you get Landry Shamit, and you can pick from Lou Williams, Patrick Beverly, or Jermichael Green's in there too with his player option. But I would say probably Beverly or Lou Will plus Shamit and Paul George for James Harden. I don't hate the Leonard Harden fit. I actually kind of love it. I feel like Leonard and Paul George together would be like an ideal supporting cast surrounding stars for Harden. I'm not sure. I had to backtrack because I don't think it's fair to call that a supporting cast. Well, Paul George would be traded in this scenario, so it wouldn't be Leonard. And I know, Paul but George. I'm I'm saying oh. if you can find a way to like not move him in the deal, they have no picks to give, so that's not that's happening. the issue. Yeah, that's the issue. Would you do that if you're LEC? I probably not, just because I, I think that you you run a big risk of it not working and then losing Kawhi Leonard. That's true. And he did want to come with Paul George. I would say if they would do it straight up, I might consider it more if I'm if I'm Los Angeles. Yeah, it's it's a fun fit, but I think it's just it's like too much of a risk reward for where that franchise is right now. Just after Paul, the way Paul George played in the playoffs, something to consider. Um I'm going to loop these final two teams together. Do you see like I look at the like maybe young teams that could put together interesting like young players or picks package and I guess it's really three teams. You have OKC with all those picks. You have New Orleans with all those Lakers picks. Uh, plus, you know, Lonzo Ball is there. Uh, Josh Hart, Nikhil Walker, Alexander. I would assume you're not trading Zion. I've also thought about Memphis. You have, like, between him and Morant, Harden and Morant wouldn't be a... I guess it's not the greatest hit, but you do have Triple J and Brandon Clark. I don't know that I love the idea for either of those three teams. If you had to pick one of them to do it, I my pick would be New Orleans. I'm curious of the three which you would like to... Not what you would like to see, but what you could see going all in on a hardened trade if the opportunity presented itself. I feel like New Orleans is probably the most likely, just because Harden could be a really good fit next to Zion Williamson. I don't want to see it happen in Memphis. You know, I I have questions the Morant about Morant fit is bad. I would it's think. questionable, and like Morant was so good with the ball in his hands, and I just. That's one of those up and coming organizations where I just I don't have any interest in blowing things up. It just they're already on such a promising trajectory that I don't I don't think that they should have any interest in making a move like this, even if it would expedite the time frame. So yeah, I guess New Orleans by default maybe. I look, I would love to see Harden in Toronto. 
Like, I don't know if they would build something around Kyle Lowry, OG, and then all the picks ever, and you have Matt Thomas. And I don't actually want to see Kyle Lowry leave Toronto because he is uh, my emotional muse. I feel like Kyle Lowry is like, if I was a basketball player, I'd want to be Kyle Lowry. I, I would run through a brick wall right now for Kyle Lowry, but that would be a team I'd love to see him on. I did finally want to ask you really quick about that Lakers trade. Dennis Schroeder um, going from the Thunder to Los Angeles for Danny Green and the number 28 pick. I was free agency needs to play out for me first because the Lakers wings right now, like actually like true wings are LeBron and Kuzma. And that's not like, like defensively, like you want, I know Kuzma Kuzma's gotten better and LeBron played better defense last year. You need someone like you had Danny green to go up against some star wings. I know you could still resign KCP, but like you need, they need another player in that, like, Six six to six eight range, and even Danny Green was undersized for certain matchups. But I kind of felt like Danny Green's been on three title teams. It didn't happen on accident. I know he shot twenty nine percent in the finals, like and it, he was it, still valuable. It yeah, but it just it wasn't an accident. And so to give up him and a first for Schroeder, who is look, you're betting on he shot a career high from basically everywhere on the floor last year, which makes it an outlier. So you're betting on that continuing. And while the talent around him will be better. The Chris Paul minutes, um, when Chris Paul was off the court, excuse me, the no Chris Paul minutes at OKC were not pretty last year, and he had Shea Gilgis-Alexander with him and Steven Adams and Gallo for some of those minutes. And you're actually not going to have that deep of an offensive supporting cast around you in Los Angeles. Look, I need to see free agency play out. They can make other moves. Maybe they're signing. I don't know if them signing Wesley Matthews would make me feel a lot better about this deal because... Danny Green in your first round pick, like, was the move, short of it also including Kyle Kuzma. Like, that was your move this offseason. And you turn it into Dennis Schroeder, who I get is appealing because he's going to be a free agent next year when LeBron will be a free agent. So now you, like, have a, a ton of flexibility should you want to maybe do something with cap space or just to get creative, depending on which contracts you give out this season. I'm just not a huge fan of it. And I would think if you're trying to win a title for this team, I feel like the. Th- the plug and playness of Danny Green as a three and D player is more valuable to me than Dennis Schroeder. And again, if they sign someone or two people in free agency that renders this mood, I'm not trying to shit on the Lakers. I think it's a worthwhile risk. I think people were kind of overselling the no brainerness of it all, though. I mean, I, I think the Lakers lost the trade. All right, they could <laughs> they could turn it into something salvageable, like you mentioned, with free agency pursuits to fill in what was lost with Danny Green, but. I would rather have Danny Green than Dennis Schroeder for this team in a vacuum. And they're the one that gave up the pick to make it happen. So by definition, I, I think that they're the losers of the deal. You know, as you mentioned, Schroeder shot career highs from literally everywhere on the floor. I question the sustainability of that. We know that he thrived when he was playing in the three guard lineups that OKC ran out, which Los Angeles will not be able to do. And he really struggled without Chris Paul on the floor. He is primarily a scorer. He is not a particularly notable defender. He doesn't always get his teammates involved, which means that he's not really the Rajon Rondo type of backup point guard that you need in Los Angeles um, to, to shoulder those minutes without LeBron James on the floor. So I just I, I question the value and the fit. Yeah, the the Thunder had an offensive rating in the 34th percentile when Shea and Dennis, Dennis played without Chris Paul last year. If you add Gallo into that, it was the 60th percentile, but it wasn't like he was carrying these units. I think the no LeBron minutes here are important. Maybe not as important in the playoffs, but to get through the regular season. 
And I'm just maybe it works out, but I think it's it, it's a bigger risk than people were really um, crediting. So I'm interested to see how it plays out. And again, free agency is a part of it. I also don't know, like if they sign Wesley Matthews, how much better about this deal does that make you feel? Because a lot better. it does because of the matchup he did against Jimmy Butler, but it's like you're kind of then net neutral on the wings from where you were before. They just want a title, so it's like they have carte blanche to make the risk that they want to take. So. If you're getting Wesley Matthews, I guess it makes me feel a lot better. But the fact that they still gave up a pick, and I know OKC has no reason to do this without the pick, it just it feels like uh, for now, again, until free agency plays out, I would think they need to get Matthews and someone else on the wings for me to feel like really confident that this was the this was the play for them to make. The other thing is like if I'm the Lakers, I want to prioritize those late first round picks more than they are, just because you're going to have to pay all of the money to LeBron and Anthony Davis, which makes it that much more important to have rotation players on cheap deals. And, you know, we've we've talked ad nauseum about how bad this draft class is, but that's primarily because there's not much star power. There's a, a significant amount of, like, rotation potential in this draft as you move out of the lottery. There are a, a number of, of intriguing upperclassmen who are going to be entering the NBA in a weird set of circumstances you know, like I would, I would just, I would rather them take a shot on someone like Cassius Winston or, or Desmond Bain, um, and, and see if they can get that legitimate rotation player on a cheap contract instead of taking a risk like this. Yeah, I, the upshot for me, this particular risk, I would agree with you, but LeBron's teams just they don't even give those young guys a chance. It just it never right. happened in Cleveland or even really Miami. So. I think that's why they devalue first so much. But I, in a vacuum, I'd agree with you. And just food for thought. And I know Anthony Davis is going to be in Los Angeles, but OKC, uh, half-court efficiency in the 32nd percentile with Schroeder and Shea Gilgis-Alexander on the court. No Chris Paul in those scenarios. If you add Danilo Gallinari to this, that actually went up to the 83rd percentile. So maybe there's some potential there, but you need another really good scorer next to him during those non-LeBron minutes. I don't. Maybe Anthony Davis gets you there, but I will say the Lakers' half-court efficiency without LeBron on the court last year, ranked in the 25th percentile. And I'm just, I'm not sure if Dennis Schroeder is the guy that addresses this. It'll be interesting to find out. Do you have anything else to add, talk about? Not particularly. I think we're just kind of waiting for the next shoe to fall here. We're recording this shortly after that moratorium, whatever you want to call it, on trades was lifted. And already we've seen James Harden news and, and Chris Paul actually getting traded. So I'm just, I'm curious what's going to be next. I still I maintain from a previous episode that I don't think that many more all stars are going to get moved. You know the the James Harden thing <laughs> throws a wrench into that. What was the over under? What did you pick? I forgot. You picked I, under. I think you said it at two and a half, and I said under. Oh yeah, you're. Screwed. I did think it's I over. did think that Chris Paul was going to be the only all star moved. It's over. So that's probably going to be wrong already. But I just beyond Harden now, like I, I just what if I they don't move Westbrook? That's totally feasible. What happens if Simmons and Harden are swapped for each other? You lose, correct? I do lose. Yeah. I always lose, so, you know. Uh, this was great. We will keep you informed with, you know, analyzing the latest rumors and, and trades. It's it's frenetic out there right now, but it's a fun time of year. Please, please, pretty please with sugar on top. Remember to uh, subscribe to this podcast wherever you consume your podcast. Download every episode. And whether or not you use iTunes, head over there, search Hardwood Knox, throw us that five-star rating, write whatever review you want, criticize me for not eating enough pasta or carbs, talk about how swole Adam's calves are, whatever you can put, constructive criticism, put it in the comments, but the five-star ratings are really important to us. Thank you all so much for listening. Until next time, leave you with a shout-out to the one, the only, future member of the Oklahoma City Thunder, I feel like,
draft prospect, Grant Riller. Sugar Ray Leonard, Roberto Duran, Marvelous Marvin Hagler, and Thomas Hearns. Legends, whose four-way rivalry defined one of the greatest eras in boxing history. Relive their decade of dominance in the new Showtime sports documentary, The Kings, a four-part series premiering Sunday, June 6th, only on Showtime.